Today we're beginning a new series of messages entitled The Miracle Worker. It's going to be a five-part series of messages extending through the middle of February to our evangelistic series. There's actually 37 miracles recorded in the gospel account uh, regarding Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, we're not able to go through all 37, as you may understand. So I've handpicked five of them. And I encourage you to join us each and every Sabbath. If you're unable to come, for whatever reason, you can catch them online at our website, www.universitysda.com. So this is going to be an exciting series for me in my personal study, and I'd like to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to our scripture reading, if you have not already. In your pew Bible, it's 1,184, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. You can follow along in whatever version you have there. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. This is the sixth miracle of Jesus, and we catch up right in Luke chapter 5, verse 1. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, otherwise known as the lake of or the Sea of Galilee in other translations, according to scholars, and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and washing and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Jesus is by the Sea of Galilee. The crowd is pressing about him. He wants to teach them But because of the crowd, he's not able to get in a place where he can project and everyone's able to see him. So he gets into Simon Peter's boat, asks him to launch out a little bit into the lake, and from there he sits down, what a beautiful scene this must have been, and starts teaching the people, and the people are there in rapt attention. Now the point of this passage is not the material of his sermon, but it is just setting the stage for what is about to take place in verse 4. Verse 4, and when he had stopped speaking, he has finished his sermon, his discourse to the people, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Have you ever been given advice on a topic on which you are an expert by someone who you perceive not to be an expert? I have. Or it's like me giving Dr. Jay Crawford advice on how to do an implant. It just, it just doesn't work. Or giving legal advice to Stephen Burlingame. It, it, this, is, this is a situation because Jesus, by profession, is a carpenter. Peter knows this. Peter, by profession, as long as he can remember, is a fisherman. He knows fish. He knows how to catch fish. Jesus turns to him casually after his discourse and says, look, launch out into the deep, cast down your nets for a catch. And in the mind of Simon, he's going through this and experiencing a little bit of an awkward moment, if it were, with with Jesus because of the command that is given in verse 5. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down your net. Now, I want to just look at the implications of the first part of Peter's statement here. Master, we have toiled all night. In the Sea of Galilee, it's clear water. 
and fishermen knew during the time of Jesus that nets do not work in catching fish in clear water during the daytime. That's why they went at night. He says, we've toiled all night. Implication, we have been trying. We are experienced all night. Hint, hint, that is the time that you catch fish at night, not during the daytime. Then he says, and we have caught nothing. We are experts. We've been trying all night, and we caught absolutely nothing. Then he goes on, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Many times Jesus asks us to do things that goes against everything that we've experienced up to that point. This was a moment of faith, and you can imagine what Peter's going through at this moment. You ever done something in which you're, in your mind you're like, all right, I'm going to do it, but really I know this is not going to work, but I'm just going to do it just to show my respect for your request. And this is what's taking place. In verse 6, And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. When I was a child, one of my fond memories was waking up early in the morning. My dad hated fishing, but out of love for his son, he would get up, and he would strap that inflatable raft to our station wagon, and we would go off in the morning and... Uh, there was nothing more exhilarating in the morning than when you cast your line. I didn't do net fishing, but I did with rod. And, uh, and then the, you know, the line goes tight, you know, and you get up and you're reeling that thing in. Oh, just fond memories as a boy, you know. And then there's the one that got away. There's, you know, it, was, it was huge, you know. And, and this, this is the experience that's taking place. So Peter, he's a, he's a fisherman, he's an angler, and suddenly he throws the net into the water and immediately... Those nets are tight, and then you can hear the ripping of the net. It's like a thousand fish in the Sea of Galilee. I don't know what sonar, whatever it is, just get into the net, and it's ripping, and then you see what's taking place here. Peter's, it turns from exhilaration and amazement to panic, and when Peter, uh, verse 6, so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and when they came and filled both the boats, so they began to sink. Peter, James, and John, he's like, come on over. You know, he said, come, I'm, we're going to lose all this catch. This is the biggest catch of our lives. And so they draw them into the boats. And you can just imagine in your mind's eye, the, the boats are like this far away from the edge of the water because it is so heavy. In this moment, there is something that happens within Peter that is the universal reaction of every person that has just seen a revelation of God. It, he turns his attention from the miracle to the revelation of Jesus Christ that has just been seen because this speaks to a fisherman. He knows that this is not a regular happenstance that you, in the middle of the day, you throw out your net and you catch thousands of fish or hundreds of fish. Peter recognizes that this is a miracle. And look at the universal re reaction in verse 8. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. It's similar to the reaction of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 6, he sees God and he says, Woe is me from a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the king. Desire of Ages tells us that even though he said, depart from me, he was clinging to Jesus. It was rather an indication of his own inadequacy in this moment. Verse 9, 
For he and all that were with him were astonished in the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the son of Zebedee, and were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. There's a lot of things that we can bring out of this story. A lot of themes. I'd just like to focus in on a few simple observations of this experience that's known as the call by the sea. And one of the observations is regarding the nature of this miracle. This miracle is what I would call an illustrative miracle. It's a miracle that Jesus performed not to meet a particular physical need. Peter, James, and John were not hungry and were not in need of a boatload of fish. There were other instances in the Bible where a person is hungry or you know, people are hungry, like such as the feeding of the 5,000, or a person is blind. There's a physical need. But in this case, the purpose of Jesus in performing this miracle is to illustrate something or to give an analogy or to show or an impress upon the hearts of Peter, James, and John regarding something in reference to his character. That is the purpose of this miracle. It is an illustrative miracle. That is the point. What is the point of Jesus? It's really in the punchline in verse 10. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. That is the point. That is the thrust in which Jesus is going. It is to illustrate that the same God that guided in those thousands of fish into the net, this same Jesus will help them in fishing for people. Are you following me, yes or no, here this morning? He's illustrating so that when the disciples are carrying forward the gospel commission, they will remember that experience by the sea. In a moment of discouragement, they will have this reference point, this indelibly etched illustration in their minds to help them to recognize that the same God that helped them catch the fish would help them in soul winning. You following me, yes or no? It was to illustrate this point. The point was not the fish. The point was the same God that helped them in fishing would help them in soul winning. You can see that later because they left the fish behind. I imagine the multitude probably ate it. But it was not the point of the miracle. It was an illustrative miracle. It was to press home something in the minds of the disciples. The other interesting thing about this miracle is what I would call a partnership miracle. It's a miracle that Jesus framed in a way that required participation of Peter. It was not an autocratic miracle, meaning that Jesus just said, for instance, in another story, another miracle, he did not just say, peace be still, and then the lake was still. That's more of an autocratic miracle. This is a miracle that Jesus framed in a way that required participation, cooperation, collaboration of the individual. Now, did Jesus need Peter to be a partner in this miracle? No, he's God. He could have snapped his fingers and then a thousand fish in the Sea of Galilee could have just swarmed around the boat and just hopped into the boat conveniently. 
You know, he didn't need to cast his net. This is God after all. He can do anything. He could just, wouldn't that have been nice? You know, just snap his fingers and you see this shadow coming in the water and they hop into the boat. Oh, miracle. Jesus is God. Revelation of Jesus Christ. He could have done that. But this was a miracle that required a partnership, participation. He framed it in this way for a particular purpose. Not that he needs us, but for whatever reason, in this miracle, it required collaboration, cooperation, and partnership. Let's see it. Jesus said to Peter, notice what Peter needs to do. Launch out into the deep and let down your net for a catch. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. There was something that Peter had to do, and there was something that God had to do. Peter was to let down his net, and then God, the creator, would guide in the fish. Both parties were required for this miracle to happen. If Peter just sat in the boat and said, ah, this doesn't work, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to cast my net, I would argue that the miracle probably wouldn't have happened. Jesus framed this miracle in a way that required the participation of Peter for it to take place. So here we have it. If we let down the nets, God will guide in the fish. If we let down the nets, God will guide in the fish. Now, this is a liberating thought for me as a pastor. And I'll tell you why. Because in my ministry, I can't tell you how many times I've thought, from my human perspective, one of two errors. One of them is, the fish just aren't out there. Ever thought that before? Oh, we live in the 21st century. People just aren't interested. Have you heard that before? They're just not out there. The, you know, we, we live in a post-Christian society. Have you heard that before? They are impervious to the gospel. When in reality, the Bible tells us that the issue is not that they're not fish. The issue is that there's not enough people letting down their nets. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful. What's the issue? The laborers are few. This is a fallacy when it comes to reaching souls for Christ. We should never think that there's a dearth. There's a lack of people that are searching for truth. The reality is there's abundance of people that are looking for something better than this life has to offer. Now, I will argue that we do live in a more technologically isolated age and that we need to change some of our approaches, but the principles still remain the same. And here Jesus is telling us that the issue is not that there isn't fish. The issue is that he's waiting for us to let down our nets. If we let down the nets, God will guide in the fish. The other fallacy that I have in the back of my mind many times is, poor pastor, I'm in this alone. I'm out there trying to get people to understand this thing, not recognizing that God has his people out there. I don't need to jam this down their throat. I just need to find the people that God is preparing. I don't need to sit outside and look at the fruit that's not ripe. God says, just pick the ones and find the ones that are ripe. It's very liberating for me in that regard that, look, I'm not in this alone. God has all of heaven invested in saving people. Have you ever thought about that? That is God's number one agenda. 
He gave Jesus. You know, there's no greater gift than God could give. That heaven, all of heaven, Desire of Ages tells us, is poured out in that gift of Jesus Christ. All of heaven, all the angels are invested, it working. The Holy Spirit is working, preparing the hearts of the people out there. So when you go out to bring someone to the foot of the cross, God has his people ready. We are not working alone. We are partnering with God, not because he needs us, but because he wants us to experience the joy of bringing someone to Christ. If we let down the nets, God will guide in the fish. Some of you remember, three years ago, I got up here and I said, uh, we're going to go door to door in Spartan Village. Remember that? And I made this bold, audacious goal that some people thought I'd lost my mind. Uh, we're going to go for a 100 Bible studies. Do you remember that? In one week in Spartan Village. And I, w- I will admit to you that uh, in the back of my mind, there was an element where I felt kind of like Peter. Uh, <laughs> what, what have I done here? Um, this really doesn't work. You ever thought that in the, mind, the back of your mind? I, I don't know if this is going to work, you know, 100 Bible studies, even if we do get 100 Bible studies, you know, if, is anyone going to respond to these 100 Bible studies and what's going to happen? And, and you're kind of just throwing the net out and you're just like, all right, Lord, you told us to do it, so we're going to do it. You know, I'm a pastor. I should do evangelism. I'm going to do evangelism. So, so I'm going to go out by faith and I'm going to make this bold goal. And we got 100 uh, Bible studies. And the Lord gives us what we can handle. But one of the individuals that responded to that was praying, and God was preparing their heart in Spartan Village. She was praying that God would lead her to a group of spiritual individuals. God was preparing the heart. All we had to do was let out the net, and it didn't cost us a thing. Uh, You know, a little bit of toner ink off of our printer to scan those things. It was not a big venture, and uh, we had our missionaries here, so they went door to door. We went with them. We got 100 Bible studies, and then, and this one individual responded. Long story short, you know who it is. It's Taryn Watkins. Taryn Watkins was being prepared out there. All we had to do was let down the net, and she responded to the call. She took Bible studies. You know, we didn't have to go out there and coax or anything like that. She was ready. God was preparing her heart. All we had to do was let down the net. And God said, hey, she's, you know, she's ready. And now Taryn is the president of our Adventist Student Fellowship. Praise the Lord. Sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. Well, praise God, Taryn. Amen. You know, this just, and I, and I think in my mind, oh, Lord, what if we had not let down our net? You know, it's not like we did some grand thing. All we did was go out and knock on doors, and, and God had prepared her. And I think in my mind, you know, would Taryn be with us right now, contributing to our congregation in a powerful way? People have been blessed as a result of Taryn's ministry. And I keep thinking of this illustration If we let down the nets, God will guide in the fish. Here it is from Acts of the Apostles. Powerful quotation, 109. Listen to this. All over the world. Where? All over the world. Men and women are looking wistfully to heaven. 
prayers and tears and inquiries go up from souls longing for light, for grace, for the Holy Spirit. Many, listen to this, are on the verge of the kingdom. They're right on the edge, waiting only to be gathered in. Whew. I mean, what a paradigm shift. In the back of my mind, I think that no one's out there. We're on this alone. You know, we're trying to win souls, but the people aren't interested when in reality, God looks down from heaven and says, look, I have all people all over the world that are on the very edge of coming in and they're just waiting for someone to give the invitation. They're just waiting for someone to let down their nets. This is a huge paradigm shift from our previous misconceptions when it comes to soul winning and evangelism. This is the frustration of heaven. God has people all over the world that are ripe and ready to just be given the invitation. They're being prepared. All the resources of heaven are preparing people. And the issue and the frustration of heaven is there's not enough people letting down their nets. There's not enough laborers because the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. The frustration of heaven. The people are out there. Are we going to act in faith and give the invitation? How do I let down my net? Just practical insights. It doesn't mean you have to go door-to-door, although door-to-door ministry is one of the ways. But just in your workplace, this is the first thing you can do. Pray that you are in tune with heaven's agenda. You know what heaven's agenda is? Number one agenda, saving you. Saving people. That is heaven's number one agenda. And when you are in tune with heaven's agenda, God says, look, I want you to partner with me. You're partnering with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So when you pray and say, Lord, help me not just to go about my day with the regular doldrums and the tasks that I have to do, not mindful that all around me, the invisible reality that I do not see is preparing people for eternity. Help me to be in tune. Help me to be aware. Help my eyes to be open to that reality. So when the opportunity comes, I will not be so caught up in the cares of this life that I miss the opportunity to let down the net. Pray and say, Lord, use me. When you do that, he will. That's heaven's agenda. To cooperate, collaborate with God. Soul winning is a partnership miracle. God has chosen to package soul winning in this way. The other thing to do is watch for spiritual interest. You don't need to be obnoxious. Just watch. For spiritual indications, spiritual interest, because God is moving. All you have to do is just keep your eyes open and say, Lord, Lord, I want to keep my eyes open to heaven's agenda. Watch for spiritual interest. This is David Kim. He came this summer for our Leeds uh, seminar, and he is uh, a top executive at Vanguard. He has his master of business, you know, MBA, and from Stanford University, you know, he's up there, executive working for Vanguard, and he says, you know, I'm really a Bible worker that happens to be sponsored by Vanguard. Yeah, that's one way of thinking it. Yeah? That's what Jesus really wants us to be. Yeah? Your occupation's really a cover. Did you know that? For, 
for heaven's agenda. That's the way that God frames it. And so this is the way he looks at it. And he says he, he just watches for spiritual interest. Because God has his hungry sheep out there. His fish are hungry. And what he does is a simple question. He says, look, how was your weekend with his associates? And usually when you ask someone that, they say, hey, how was yours? And he says, oh, I had a great weekend. I went to church. I had a wonderful weekend. Now, that's a factual statement. It's not being obnoxious. He didn't say, oh, I went to church and the pastor preached a powerful sermon and he gave an altar call and I came forward, hallelujah. You know, that's just like, whoa. He just says, look, I went to church. All right, simple, factual, non-offensive. And, and, the, and, the, and the fish that aren't hungry will just, you know, just say, oh, great, and they'll just pass by. But the ones that God are preparing will say, ah, what, what church? Ah, that's, that's spiritual interest. What, what did the pastor say? You know what? I need to start reading the Bible more. I've re- really been impressed about that. The things of this world are just, you know, have you, have you looked at out the world? There's, there's something that's unsettling. That is a spiritual interest. And then you, that's an opening for God to use you to minister to that individual. It's a spiritual opening. And then you can give the invitation at that point when appropriate. You can give them a card. When we have cards out in the lobby, universitysda.com, you know, spiritual inspirational sermons. You can give them a card. If they're interested in Bible study, you say, hey, maybe we could sit down sometime and study the Bible. You know, I always benefit from studying the Bible. Maybe we could do it together. You can invite them to church. These are things that you can do. God is moving. God is working. He has his people prepared. Watch for spiritual interest. And when they give the opening, you can share, you can invite as appropriate. As was mentioned earlier, we as a church, by faith, beginning on February 14th, 6.59 and a half p.m. That's our evangelist, Ted Strunz. He likes to put that. But we're casting our nets, all right? He's a conference evangelist. He's coming Friday night. It's going to be extending through part of March, and we're going to be going through a prophecy seminar, and we are extending our nets to this community, and God has his people prepared out there. We're just giving the invitation, giving the opportunity, and this can be something that you can share when appropriate with individuals that are searching. All right. Last year, we sponsored... Carlo to go to Emmanuel Institute down in Pullman, Michigan. That was the best $300 investment that we made. Praise the Lord, Carlo. Carlo came back on fire, and he started to pray that he'd be in tune with heaven's agenda. He looked around where he was in the music department. Have you noticed that we have a, you know, like an influx of music individuals coming into our church. Well, part of the reason is Carlo, okay? Carlo looked around, and he looked for spiritual interest. There was an opening, Anthony and Corey, and then it turned into Bible studies, and you know, the rest is history. They're members of our church today. Praise the Lord. This is what God wants us to do, to partner with him in the salvation of souls. This is heaven's agenda to cooperate with heaven in the salvation of souls for his kingdom. I want to read this quotation again, and then we'll close. Acts of the Apostles 109, all over the world, men and women are looking wistfully to heaven 
Prayers and tears and inquiries go up from souls longing for light, for grace, for the Holy Spirit. Many are on the verge of the kingdom, waiting only to be gathered in. And the question is, are we going to let down our nets? I want to invite you to stand with me as we prepare to close here this morning. Every head bowed and eyes closed. Just a simple appeal here today. Today we have the opportunity to cooperate with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who knows no failure or defeat. We are partnering with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I just want to make a simple appeal here today. If you in 2014 want to say, Lord, I want to be in tune with heaven's agenda. I want to have my eyes open so that when God gives the opportunity, I want to let down my net. I want to cooperate with the God who knows no failure or defeat in heaven's agenda of bringing people to the foot of the cross. If that's your desire here today and you want to say, Lord, make me a fisher of men. I can't make myself a fisher of men, but you can make me a soul winner for your kingdom and for your cause. And today you want to say, Lord, I want to bring someone in 2014 to the foot of the cross. I want to bring someone to Jesus in 2014. I want to invite you to come forward here today. And you want to say, Lord, use me. Use me. I do not have the capability, but you have the ability. I want to partner with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Use me in the workplace. Use me in the dormitory. Use me in my classroom. Use me whatever my occupation may be. Lord, I want to let down my net in 2014 so that you can guide in the people into your kingdom. Heaven is waiting. He's just looking for someone that is willing to give God the opportunity to use them. Lord, use me. That's all we can say. God doesn't need us, but for whatever reason, so that we can share in the joy of his work, he wants us to cooperate with him. Soul winning is a cooperative miracle. Let's bow our heads together as we pray. Our Father in heaven, nothing in our hands we bring, simply to your cross we cling. Lord, we recognize that you could have called angels to do this work. You don't need our talents. You don't need our resources. You don't need our abilities, but so that we can share in the joy of bringing people to the foot of the cross, so that we can be transformed, so that we can be elevated and experience the joy of seeing someone experience the cross for the first time. You have chosen to use frail, sinful instruments like myself. Thank you, Father, that you have framed soul winning as a participation with heaven. Use us, Lord. You see the people that have come forward here today saying that, Lord, even though we don't understand all the time, we want to let down our nets. We want to be used. And like Isaiah, we want to say, here am I. Send me. That when you said, go ye, it meant go me. Help us, Lord. Sustain us by your grace. Help us to cooperate with the heaven's agenda to bring people into the kingdom. We want to be used today. Seal us with your Holy Spirit. Give us all the gifts, all the fruits of the Spirit so that others can see Jesus shining through us. Help us 
to have the experience of Peter, to recognize our insufficiency, but your sufficiency. Use us for your glory and for your honor. Seal us with your spirit, for we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen and amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.